0: served God as a teenager, went to the Navy, wasn't serving God, but I got saved at Chi Alpha. I believe strongly in Chi Alpha. I believe that, that uh, it's one of the most evangelistic groups that, uh, that, that we as a fellowship, some of God has. And so, uh, so yeah, we believe in this. Um, some, uh, oh, I did want to mention this because I was talking about it Wednesday night. We had, at the Capitol, uh, we had Wednesday, or well, we were here Wednesday night, One of the committees, called the Judiciary Committee, was uh, listening to debate on a bill. It was the worst, it is the worst bill, the worst law that has ever been brought before any state house in the entire United States in the history of this country, um, having to do with the Second Amendment. Um, We've seen worse when it comes to abortion, but on the Second Amendment, this is the worst one, and it was basically going to ban every single gun in Colorado, which is Directly goes against the Constitution, and um, and the Democrats didn't like it either. They were worried about this one being strapped around their neck and having to deal with this in an election, and uh, and so in the committee before it came to us on the floor, uh, it got voted down in committee by four Democrats, four Republicans. So that that does not happen very often. It just doesn't. And it hasn't. That's the first time that's happened in um, this session. So. So I just thought I'd let you know that. And, and uh, we're looking at kind of the world scene, some things going on. I know I mention this every now and then, but we do not get um, uh, proper, healthy information in America about the rest of the world. You have to go places. Now that we have the internet, I say that, which all of these guys were born after the beginning of the internet. But um, now that we have this new thing called the webs, um, we, can, uh, we can go and get information, right? And we're having this opportunity to look at news around the world. I would suggest that you do this, that you take advantage of this. There's a lot of ways you can do it. You can get email alerts. You can get SMS feeds. You can get all, all RSS feeds. You can get all kinds of stuff um, that will set up news for you. Uh, I do this, and I have places from all over the world, but I, I specifically focus on Israel um, because God focuses on Israel. And uh, so I get a bunch of news stuff from Israel. And we don 't hear about a lot of this stuff going over uh, that 's going on in the middle east we don 't hear about it in America. But one thing that really jumped out at me this this last week well there 's a bunch of stuff they 've been going through some elections've they 've had some transition, different things. There was a push actually in israel to to make um, uh, Christianity illegal in Israel. A, a strong liberal part of Israel was doing that, and uh, the leadership and Netanyahu uh, squelched that and said that 's not who we are. And, but but here's something that happened that I've not really seen it much I haven't seen it any really on American news but the crown prince of Iran he was the he is the, uh, was the Shah, he is previous shah's son okay um, he visited Israel this last week now you say okay that is that's the first time in the history of what we call Israel today that this has happened 75 years plus This is the first time this has happened. People from Iran don't visit Israel. Okay? Now, we are seeing some other transitions, places like Turkey, Egypt. We've even seen some places like Saudi Arabia that are lightening some of their stance against Israel and connecting and talking and some of this kind of stuff. But for the crown prince of Iran, the country that hates Israel the most, remember when Ahmadinejad would stand there and say, we will push we will destroy every person in Israel, Israel, and push all of Israel into the sea. Okay, this is Iran. Um, he comes to Israel last week, and the speeches and things that he made were were talking about Tehran, their capital, talking about the human rights violation uh, violations in Tehran. The crown prince of Saudi I mean of Iran, is saying this about. Tehran, in Israel. This is is unprecedented. So you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't necessarily know totally what it means, but here is a possibility. Don't don't speak too much into this or or think too much into this, but here is just a possibility that that we should be looking at. Um, There there has to come a moment somewhere in in our future, and I believe in our near future, where a leader rises up from these, these uh, coalition of Arab states because I don't believe it's a rise of the Roman Empire. I've taught on that before. I believe it's a, it's a rise of, of uh, Islamic states, okay? And one of these states has to have a quickly rising leader that becomes very, very popular around the world and we will end up calling him the Antichrist, Okay. But he has to be very popular, and he has to specifically have at least enough popularity within Israel for them to sign a peace treaty and make this okay around the world with the, with the Arab states. You see what I'm saying? So this, this is the kind of thing you're going to be seeing is an out-of-the-blue kind of um, moment where a strong Arab leader that has power throughout the region starts budding up to Israel in a way that they haven't before. So I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. I'm just saying these are the kind of things you go, wait a second. There still is scripture. There still is end time events. And we're headed down this road very quickly. So you should be paying attention kind of thing. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. <clears throat> I want to I talk to you about... Um, Well, the the main theme of this is that we are spiritual people. You and I are spiritual people. I think that's a difficult thing to process. I think that's a difficult thing to keep in our minds on a regular basis because we're also physical people, and and, um, the physicalness of who we are is uh, what kind of steers the ship. It seems to be most of them. It shouldn't be. But, but this is, is how we see ourselves, how we see what's going on, we, our, our roots quickly go deeply in a physical nature into the system of what we call the world, and, and so it's difficult sometimes for us to kind of take a step back and realize, and I think we should be doing this on a regular basis, that we're spiritual first. And that God created us in his image spiritually more than he did. In my opinion, it's spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical as we as we go down. Actually, I would say mental and emotional are switched. But, but physical is the last of how God has created us in his image. That's not the push. The focus is the spirituality of who we are is, who, is how he's created us in his image. Because why? We're going to live forever. We are eternal beings. So let me... Let me kind of walk us through some stuff here because I want you to I want you to process this and really get a, a bigger picture and uh, and hopefully a more uh, pushed into your world picture of of the, the the understanding that we are spiritual people so i'm going to start in John, in Genesis chapter four and he, here's the thing with this this is not the, this is not normally a scripture that people would go to when to talk about this subject uh, we'll get to some of those in a minute but I, I want to show you some things probably you haven't seen before. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. First time that we've ever seen in, in history or that we know of. I mean, there maybe there was, but I don't think so. Because of the way God responds to this. This is the first murder that we've seen. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where's your brother? Where's Abel? Shouldn't shouldn't that have hurt Cain? Shouldn't there somewhere Cain have been broken by this? That was his brother. But it doesn't appear that he does. I don't know, Cain responded. And my brother's guardian. You know what the answer to that question is? Yes. Yes. Let, let me expand this because we are, this is, this is this understanding that we're spiritual people first, but this is also connected into who we are as physical people. That when, when, when God says to him, am I my brother's guardian? This has always been a big thing for me. Always been a big thing. When um, the, the, the moment my oldest was born, this, this became a defining factor for me. Huge is family. You take care of family. And I have, I have pushed this and pushed this and pushed this in my kids when they're growing up. Yeah, we may pick on each other, and our family does pick on each other all the time. That mostly comes from me. But, but uh, we, we do. But at the end of the day, we're family, and, and we, we defend each other. We stand for each other. We will go out on a limb for each other, for, for anything that, that is needed. We, when I was young, when I was a, a young, about to be parent, in the first couple years I was a parent, I would hear people talk about, well, you know, my, my son or daughter did this or this, and you know they're late teens or early twenties or something. And, um, and so uh, this is what we did. We kicked them out of the house. We just, in fact, we had a conversation about this this week. But, um, and I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Until my kids got older. And I realized, if dad can't be there for you, who is? If mom can't be there for you, who is? Your, your mama loves you more than anybody. In fact, your mama loves you irrationally most of the time. <laughs> right? But family's a big deal. You've got to have each other's back. And I've pushed that into my kids. Nothing would make me matter is when they're going at each other. Can't stand that. Family, blood, that blood. And it's not coincidence that blood is the key to everything in Scripture. Let's look at this. Am I my brother's guardian? The answer is yes. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. See, I think you're your brother's keeper. That's the King James right? I think you're your brother's keeper. But here's another thing. Um, Jesus Jesus never used the term Christian. We use that term. What what terms did Jesus use? He used terms like family. Right? Called them brothers. In fact, he says that one of the ways that people are going to know you're Christians, this is John later, One of the ways people are going to know you're Christians is how you love your brother. And, And so we have blood family. And I know the idea you can't choose your family, you choose your friends. I get that. But I also think some of this is family issues starting from birth. I've watched families pit children against each other. I've watched that over the years. Push family against each other. I hate that. I hate that because that's... See, we say you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends, except who did pick your family? God. Pay attention to that. Because God thought it was a good idea that you be family. Now, I know there's many times you're like, I think God missed it on this one. I get it. But God picked that. You didn't. We should pay attention to this stuff and we should respect this stuff. And then the next layer, so you've got blood family, then you've got spiritual family, which is the body of Christ. But we've also got a responsibility to the lost out there that God created them and he's just waiting for the moment that one of us can go witness to them and they become part of the family. And we're their keepers too. We're their guardians too. These are different layers. These are different responsibilities. I get that. And how you treat somebody that is not a Christian, I know will be different than the way you you treat somebody that is closely connected to you on a spiritual uh, family level. But part of the reason there's so many people not saved on our planet today is because we're okay at treating the church right, but we're not that good at treating the rest of the family right. The lost family. He says, the blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. Now, I personally believe, and I know this is not a popular stance for a pastor to take, but I personally believe that this has not changed. I know we have grace of the cross, and that does change how we interact in a spiritual dynamic to God, but there are still uh, physical consequences on this earth to things that we do. And I I am a... Um, proponent of the death penalty. Because I think one of the worst things that you can do is spill the blood of a human being that you did not create and you have no authority over. But you take that authority and you say, I'm going to choose whether this person lives or dies. I don't think that's okay. And, And then, so the questions I get is, so if you think it's not okay for them to kill somebody... Why do you think it's okay for the state or somebody to kill them? Because there's a difference between um, accountability and judgment from who in society is rendering it. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was, I was in, a, <clears throat> in court with a guy, and I was testifying. F- um, I, was a, I was a character witness for this person. And uh, they had asked me to come here. I was really struggling with this because they were, they, what they had done was very, very egregious. Very egregious. Um, oh, by the way, did you hear Florida made uh, pedophilia punishable by death penalty? <laughs> Guys, I... You, you don't... Here's the thing is... is um, Death penalty is better than a millstone thrown into the river according to God's plans of what pedophilia could be. Think about what I just said. God is not okay with messing with his kids. And uh, But I was in court, and I'm, I'm trying to testify for this guy. And Judge brings me up and asks me questions and all this. And basically I was saying the guy, it appears from my perspective, the guy really did give his heart to the Lord. And I think that he is trying to change his life and his world through the the power of the blood of Jesus. And the judge said, do you think you should go to jail for this? And I said, I don't want to answer that question. I'm here just to tell you what I'm seeing. I'm not the judge and the judge said to me, that's the difference. You're a pastor trying to reach people through grace. My responsibility is to judge them. And he's right. And the guy ended up going to jail, which I did not have a problem with. But, guys, we've got to be careful when we start trying to, to say this. And I've had people say, well, what about, you know, what's the difference between um, abortion and the death penalty? There's a whole lot of difference. That's an innocent little baby. This is somebody that, even according to Scripture, deserves to, to die. Okay, now I do know that the dynamics are different after the cross, so we have to be careful with this. But when when God says his blood is crying out to me from the ground, do you think that's only Abel? That only happens with Abel ever? Or when somebody is murdered today, that their blood is crying out to God from the ground? Because think about this. Blood is the key to the whole thing. Blood is what makes you right with God. happens to be Jesus' blood, but it makes you right with God. Blood had to be spilled when there was sin, that's the whole Old Testament. That's the sacrifices. Now, I'm not trying to convince you. So I feel like I'm trying to convince you of death penalty. I'm not. I'm just saying this is why I believe that. Because this is, this is you don't have the authority, the right. I'm saying spiritual authority to take somebody's life. So, he says, no longer will the ground yield good crops for you. And I believe that. That this, this curse is a consistent thing today when somebody murders. No matter how hard you work, from now on you will be a homeless wanderer of the earth. That's an important sentence because that sentence is the key to my message. That's the center point. From now on you will be a homeless wanderer. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You know how many times I hear that stuff in the Capitol? Oh, we'll destroy somebody's life, but how dare you do anything to me because of it? We're taking all kinds of rules, all kinds of rules away that says somebody goes to jail for this or jail for that. We're just making it so anybody can commit any kind of crime and it's okay. Well, I can't take that punishment. We're spending more money right now sending it into the prisons to make sure prisoners are more comfortable than people that need help in society. That have not done something wrong. It's weird. It's truly a weird way of thinking. Well, don't punish me. Yeah, but here's a reality, Cain. Abel is dead. And you're alive. And you think the punishment's too difficult? Plus, God doesn't ask for his opinion. <laughs> My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. No, Cain, you took yourself away from God's presence. God can't banish you to some place on the earth and be farther away from him. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Second time we hear that. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, no, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now this is important. Let me read the last sentence in verse 12. From now on you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And let me read the last part of the sentence in verse 14. You have made me a homeless wanderer. And then he says in verse 16, but Cain, Cain um, settled in the land of Nod. So so here is a, a pre a precursor to what, What really, I, I think this is all of Scripture that we're coming up to. And I'm going to read some Scriptures out of the New Testament that are saying this exact thing. That Cain was a homeless wanderer, although he lived somewhere. He was a homeless wanderer that lived in a house. See, see this is the part where when we really think about the spirituality of who we are, which I don't... I think that is so difficult for us as human beings to think spiritually. Because we're human. We get caught up in the minutia of being human. And it's hard for us to, to, as, as a Hebrew 12 says, keep our eyes on Jesus. It's hard to do that sometimes. Because there's so much of life happening. I think that we, not because we've murdered somebody, but because Adam and Eve broke everything. That we are homeless wanderers living in a place. Because Adam and Eve broke this thing. I don't think Adam and Eve were homeless wanderers. I think when they were in the garden, walking and talking with God, they were interacting with God on the spiritual level, physically, that God had intended. That they were not... Um, displaced in their spirit or in their mind. They were where they were supposed to be. But when they brought sin in, sin began to break them and and corrupt them physically, spiritually, everything. And then sin broke the planet and corrupted the planet in this process. And I think once they left the garden, they they became this, in, in their spirit, they became this homeless wanderer mentality. In their spirit, although they live somewhere, that that's that that was what. In fact, I I believe this on a mental health level. This is not what what I'm about to say will will never be accepted in any modern secular mental health thought process. But I believe part of the reason that I, I think a major major reason that we as a society now this is individualistic, but I think it's societal. In other words, I think it's macro more than its micro, but it plays itself out individualistically the most, is the reason that we, as a society, as a people across the planet, struggle with things like depression so much is because we have been disconnected into the broken part of who we are. We've been pulled away from the creator who made us. And the more we get pulled away from the creator who made us, as a society, but also individually, this, this affects us and we, and, and we are a longing and desiring for that reconnection. I don't think we, we actively understand that's what we're longing for, but that's what it is. We're missing something. Something is not right. We use the terminology like lost. we are lost people because why we 're not I know where i 'm standing right now, but I can be standing right here, knowing every single um, thing about where i 'm standing, but I can be lost because we 're talking about spiritually lost we 're not talking about physically lost, and so this disconnect, the more we become um, pu- the more we push God away as a society more the more that causes individuals to be emotionally mentally and spiritually disconnected from the life giver and the more we're disconnected from from whoever gives us life which is God mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically he gives us life when we are disconnected then there is this longing this homeless wander mentality that Cain had and it's said that he was he was um, he was upset because he was Uh, pushed away from the Lord's presence, but he he did it to himself. And the more we are pushed away from the Lord's presence, the more that emptiness is within us. And I'm saying everybody, and guys, by the way, I don't think this keeps, uh, I don't think this is uh, negating Christians. I think as Christians, there's still a longing within us. This is why John said, um, talking about the end times, this is why John said, even so, Lord, come quickly. There are people that I know that I that I know that need Jesus, and I want them to be saved. And that moves my heart, moves my soul. It motivates me, and it, and it convicts me. And I want to talk to them about Jesus. But at the same time, in parallel with that, I am also saying, Lord, just come back. Let's shut this thing down. Let's stop this evil and this darkness and this, this, this destruction. Let's stop this, and let's step into your presence. Because there's still this emptiness, this longing, that I recognize I'm a, I'm a homeless wanderer. This is, not, this is not where I belong. The Garden of Eden was where I belonged, but that's broken. And so now we need the blood of Jesus to put this back together. First Peter, verse one. Have you, have you ever wondered what Adam and Eve felt like after they left the garden? I'm saying spiritually, like, they missed it. There's no way they couldn't have. You cannot convince me that they didn't miss the garden every second of every day. That they didn't miss that talking and walking with God every second of every day. And they, they saw firsthand the entire planet that was perfect, and everything was Garden of Eden mentality. Because I don't necessarily believe, I don't believe that the garden in the big picture, was limited to a space. I know they were at a space, and when they got kicked out, God drew a spiritual uh, circle around that space and put a, a sword, an angel with a flaming sword there. But the reason that I know that that is what God did on a spiritual level is because why haven't we found the dude with the sword if it was a location on the planet? Right? Why didn't somebody bump into him and go, oh, Is the garden behind you? That kind of thing. Because why? God took it away from us spiritually, and the whole planet was the garden. Now it's broken. And Adam and Eve watched this. Think about this. Adam and Eve watched the earth begin to change and shift and be destroyed and groan spiritually, all these different things. Adam and Eve watched this. Don't you think they hurt? They missed this? 1 Peter 1, verse 17. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. God has no favorites, but he sure does use some people more than others, doesn't he? You know what the key to that is? For the most part, I think there's some uniqueness to this, but you know what the key is? Submission and obedience. When I mean, you can argue with God for like five years before you do what he tells you to do. <laughs> but then when you finally say, okay, God... I'll put those shoes on and I'll go, um, God will use you, right? I know what it is to argue with God. You know what it is to argue with God and resist. I mean, nobody does it five years, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Most people do it much longer. But, but guys, here's the thing. Submission and obedience, when you get that down, when you make that a, a, the defining part of your life, Submission and obedience. But I want to do, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Do what God says. It'll always be better than what you're coming up with. Always, always better. But I, I think that I, my life should look like this. Stop it and just submit and be obedient. And it's amazing how all of a sudden you'll look like one of God's favorites. Even though he doesn't have favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So what do we do? So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Temporary residents. That, that life is short, it's fleeting. As you get older, you recognize that, right? The older you get, the more you realize, man, these years are moving faster. But here's the truth. You want to see some um, theoretical physicists? Physics. Um, if I can't say it, I probably shouldn't. You know, but is do you realize that every year of your life is moving quicker because it becomes a small smaller percentage of the whole? So what happens is all of a sudden this year seems shorter than twenty years ago seemed. Yeah, because you're seeing them more often, <laughs> right? Guys, you, you, we're all getting older. Every one of us are getting older. One of, the, one of the Republican representatives this week, we were just listening to a bill drone on about how we're going to destroy everybody's lives. And um, this representative woman leaned over to me and said, I can literally feel myself getting older right now. <laughs> and I said, well, coincidentally, I can see it. She, didn't, she had this, a similar response. <laughs> she didn't think it was near as funny as I thought it was. <laughs> Guys, we are. We're getting older every day. Getting older every second. But you know what? This life is temporary. It's okay because this body's getting older, but you're not getting older. This body is decaying, but you're not decaying. At some point in the future, you're going to leave the physicalness, the limitedness of this physical existence, and you're going to step into the close proximity to Jesus Christ. What's better than that? What's better than that? Now, when you said that, when somebody said that to me when I was like 22 or 23, I was like, no, I got a lot of living to do. I think I'm good. I think I've lived it up. Let's move on. Even so, Jesus, come quickly. Right? He says... For you will know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. How strong of a sentence is that? The empty life you inherited from your ancestors. The only thing that can make life full is the presence of Jesus Christ within you. You can chase after everything else and you will not have that fulfillment until the one who created you and designed you to live within you, you receive him into your existence and in your life. And then you become fulfilled And you can also um, verbally, I mean, they have to accept it, but you can verbally pass this along also to your generation that follows you, the generation that follows you. This is why parenting is such a big deal. In fact, I'm running a bill this week um, with the person that I told. She's getting older. Uh, We're running a bill trying to bring parental rights back. This is considered a late bill, which you don't get permission to do, but they did give us permission We run a late bill, and we're just going to basically say parents are the ones in control. Back off. This is why parents are so important. You're the one who's instilling that within the next generation. What? Life and purpose and understanding. That's what chases out the darkness. That's what chases out the, the emptiness that comes along with no purpose, the emptiness that comes along with further and further separation from God. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. That's a whole other subject, and it's not a subject of predestination either. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for what? For you, me, our sake. Through Christ, you may have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God. Why? The basic reason is because what else are you going to put your faith and hope and trust in that is actual? Nothing nothing else out there fits this. God created you. Put your trust in him. God made you. Put your trust in him. God loves you. Put your trust in him. God's giving you the plan through his word of how to live your life. Put your trust in him. Don't put your trust in all the other stuff. It is so easy for us as physical people to put our trust in physical things. But they're not going to get you there. Put your trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now... Since you've been cleansed of your sins, now show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Why? Because you are your brother's keeper. Because they're spiritual and you're spiritual. And we're obligated, we're connected, we're obligated to to take care of each other, love each other. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, not... But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. You're an eternal person. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in their field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. This physicalness is, is, is going to fade away. This physicalness is like flowers and grass. It's going to fade away. But the wor- word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. Am I the only one that feels that? Grow weary in this present body. And you understand that, the, that a lot of your weariness in your physical body comes from mental, emotional, and spiritual weariness. It comes from the struggle there, it comes from all that. That's why, why I was talking about first, first mental health. The further you are from God, the further, and, and I'm, and I'm I am saying this individually, but as a society, we're moving far, far, far from God. The more that happens in society, there is this emptiness. Well, it's the same thing. Your your physical body will begin to struggle because your spiritualness is, is struggling. When you're really emotionally tired, you get physically tired, right? We all know this. We go weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing. Man, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? Wouldn't you like to just get a glimpse of what your heavenly body would look like? I I don't necessarily know what that is. It's a heavenly body, but it is an encasing around your spiritualness, the eternalness of who you are. It's still an encasing. Why? Because that was God's plan from the beginning. He didn't make Adam and Eve as purely spiritual. He clothed them in bodies. But they sinned, and the the bodies began to uh, corrupt with sin... Sin comes along sickness and disease and all those other things. So the physical body is now broken, but God had given them perfect bodies before. I would, I would like to see what Adam and Eve looked like. I think it may be potentially different than what we think a, um, a heavenly body should look like. Right? I remember when I was a kid, we were in church, and there was this girl in church that I liked. <laughs> And the pastor said, stretch out your hands to the one you love. And I went. <laughs> she wasn't paying attention because she was doing this like some kind of spiritual person. But it was my moment. She missed it. Look at this. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. And that happens more and more as you get older, right? I have I, I told Linda, I become, I become like a samurai warrior the older I get. Getting in and out of chairs. Hoy, We groan inside, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, it's not just that I want to get rid of this body, although sometimes I do, right? Rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up in the life of that new body. God himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. Right? I think about this sometimes when I look at pictures of family members that have gone on before me. It's a reminder I'm still stuck here. I can see a picture of their physicalness of when they were on this earth, but there in the presence of the Lord, and I'm still stuck here in this body. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is what? And this is the key, to please the Lord. Because we're spiritual people and he's our spiritual God, our king, our creator and everything. Our goal, please the Lord. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Why don't you stand with me? So I want us to pray. And um, I'm going to pray for me and for you, and I would like you to pray for you, that um, that we can see, just a little clearer we can see that we're, we're spiritual people. We're not just physical people. We're not limited to here. It's not about what I want or don't want. It's about what the Lord wants. And for every one of us to be able to say, and every one of us can grow in this, every one of us, God, help me to be less like me and more like you. Help me to... Desire the stuff that I want less and to desire the things that you want more. Why? Because I'm a spiritual person. Right? Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for making us. God, I want to start there. You made me. You created me. You fashioned me. You made me exactly like you want me. And then I... And then I drag this physical body along with me. God, thank you for loving us, every one of us. Thank you for loving people that we struggle loving. Thank you for caring about people that we don't care about. Lord, you know everybody. And you know how you design them and you know their potential and their purpose. You know our potential and our purpose. God, and I believe that every single person in this room, that none of us have completely tapped into our potential. So, Lord, help us to to focus in on the fact that we're spiritual first. You created us. You you designed us. God, and our purpose flows from that. Our potential flows out of that. Lord, if you call me to it, I can do it. It doesn't matter what it is, I can do it, or you wouldn't call me. You created me to accomplish things that I have no idea about right now. That you've already given me attributes. You've already given parts of, of me that, that maybe I'm, I'm, I already know, but Lord, they have not been realized, but they will be if I keep my eyes on you, Jesus. So Lord, I pray for all of us, by I pray for me. Lord, wash us clean and cover us with the blood of Jesus. Cover us with your blood. And Jesus, guide us and lead us to where we're supposed to be, what we're doing. God, in our everyday world, guide us one step at a time to that, to that person, to that moment, to that that exact place that we need to be. And Lord, we're going to listen to you. We're going to focus on you. We're going to seek you. We're going to pursue you with everything about us. Because Lord, I believe you called us to be our brother's keeper. In Jesus' name. God, give us moments this week or whatever we're doing, whatever's happening, that we see the the reality of spirituality of who we are, that we see somehow, however you want to do this with us, Lord, that we see that we are spiritual people, that that is shown deeper to us, bigger to us, we have a moment that we can see that, that that spirituality become the priority, talking to somebody, praying for them, just saying no to sin, whatever the things are. Jesus, we want to be who you've called us to be. Give us this moment. Give us this week. Give us times where we see the spirituality in a clearer way. We thank you for that. Amen. Before noon tomorrow God is going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know that they're spiritual. They may not know it. Tell them. Talk to them about Jesus, the one who created them. And uh, God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So definitely take the opportunity to get to know um, our missionaries. Grab their prayer card and uh, shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here, even if you have to make it up. And we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.